How's everybody doing? That was, oh, I'm on the screen and I'm here. That's, that's cool. You guys doing well? That was not very confidence inspiring, you bunch of horrible people. Um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing about the vision of Family Life Church. The vision of Family Life Church is to love God, love people, and to love Warsaw. We're going to be sharing about that over the next uh, three weeks. Um, I'm going to be sharing today about loving God. Out of our relationship with God, we want to begin to love people, but not just people in a broad way, like I love humanity, but we believe God has called us to love the people of Warsaw, the people around us. This is a good time to kind of refocus and put our attention back on what we're doing. If we don't have vision in our life, the, people says, the Bible says people will perish. So we have to have vision in our life. And this, during this time, we're going to be refocusing. It's a good time to refocus because we're refocusing in a bunch of area, other areas of our life. We're kind of shaking off the sluggishness of summer and getting back into routines and getting back into school and all those types of things. So it's a good time to uh, refocus. The title of my message this morning is God First. And we did a sermon series earlier this year on the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Why, why would God have given us that commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. Because he knows our weakness for putting other things before him. He knows our human nature, the way that we can unintentionally prioritize other things in front of him. Putting God first is an act of faith. It's an act of faith that unlocks blessing. I'm going to tell you this a lot through this message because I want you guys to understand it. Putting God first is an act of faith. It's always an act of faith. It's always going to be a place where you're being stretched. If you're not being stretched, then you're probably not putting God first. Putting God first is an act of faith that unlocks blessing in your life. I think probably most of us would say that God is first in our life. I doubt many of us would be like, no, God's not first in my life. Most of us would be like, yeah, God's first. But if there's not anything specific that you can point to in your life to say, this is a way that God is first in my life, there's a real good chance he's not first in your life. If there's not any number of things that you can point to to say, this is something I'm doing as an act of worship to put God first in my life, there's a real good chance he's actually not first in your life. Today I want to talk about three areas of our life that it's like easy to measure. It's crystal clear whether or not God is actually first in our life. The three areas I want to talk about are our finances, our time, and our heart. So our finances. When we put God first in our finances, it is an act of faith that unlocks financial blessing. Proverbs 3 verses 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Obviously, this was written to an agrarian society, and being wealthy meant having crops and land and grapes and all these types of things. If we translated this to 2020, it might sound something like this. Honor the Lord with the first part of your income, and your bank account will have more money than you know what to do with, and your investments will prosper with exponential growth. In Genesis 4, we see one of the first offerings that's brought to God. It's an offering actually brought by two brothers. The brothers' names are Cain and Abel. 
God asked them to bring an offering, and Cain, he was someone who worked the ground, and Abel was someone who worked with animals. And the scripture says that Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought some of the first fruits of his flock. And then we see that God received Abel's offering, and he didn't receive Cain's offering. Why did God receive Abel's offering, but he didn't receive Cain's offering? Cain just brought some of the fruits. It wasn't anything that was really valuable. It wasn't anything that was very special. It might have just been what was left over after he took all the fruits that he needed for his life. But Cain, sorry, but Abel gave God the first fruits of his flock. He gave God the very first portion of the harvest from his flock. And why does that take faith? That takes faith because he's giving the firstborn and he has no idea if there's going to be a secondborn. There's no guarantee that there's going to be more after that. But Abel gave God the first part as an act of faith saying, God, I believe that as I give you the first, you're going to bless the rest and there's going to be more to come. When it comes to honoring God with our money, there's a few things that I want you to understand. One is God can open doors financially in your life that no man can shut. God is big. He's bigger than you realize he is. He's more powerful than you realize he is. In your life, he can open doors that no man can shut. And God can unlock favor in your life when there's literally no favor to be found. Maybe at your job, you look around and you're like, there's no way for me to advance here. I'm never going to make more money than I make right now. I have no favor with my boss. God can change your boss's heart like that. It is no big deal for God. He can unlock favor in your life where literally there feels like there is no favor to be found. God can give you connections that LinkedIn could never make for you. God can put things together in your life that you could never put together in your own strength. Now I want you to know something important. I'm not preaching on finances um, because the church is struggling financially. In fact, the church is not struggling financially. On Tuesday, we had a board meeting and we sat together and we thank God for his amazing faithfulness to this church in the midst of a really challenging time and season. I'm preaching this because some of you are struggling financially. I'm preaching this because it's a really easy way to see if God is first in your life, in your finances. And if he is first in your life, then you're going to reap the blessings that he promises you'll reap. One time, uh, it was a Wednesday night, and we were having worship practice here at the church. And April dropped the kids off at my parents' house, and then we came over here to have worship practice. And when worship practice was done, we went and we got the kids and we went home. And it was kind of late, and the kids had school the next day. So we wanted to get the kids a snack so they don't come down every five minutes and say they're hungry. Get them up in bed, put them to bed so they can get the rest they need for school the next day. So I, April asked me to make a snack for the girls, so I made a snack for the girls, and I gave it to Jocelyn, and then I gave it to Natalie, and then I went to give it to Tessa, and she wasn't there. So I was like, that's weird. I wonder where she is. So I went upstairs looking for her. I found Tessa in her room with a bag of jelly beans. I'm like, where did you even find? It's not even Easter. Like, where did you even find jelly beans? Is this a miracle? Like, what happened? So where'd you get the jelly beans? She said, Grandpa. I'm like, did Grandpa sneak you a bag of jelly beans right before bedtime? She smiles and she says, yup. I'm like, Tessa, it's not a good idea for you to eat 
a full bag of jelly beans before bed because that's like a lot of sugar and you're probably not going to be able to fall asleep. And she thinks for a second, and I could tell she was thinking like, how can I get dad to let me finish this bag? And she goes, should I share the jelly beans with you? <laughs> so I like looked around and April wasn't there and I was like, all right, let's do this. So we go into her room and we shut the door so April can't find us and the other girls can't find us because candy is like gold in our house. And so she starts digging through the bag to share with me. And she pulls out one lousy black jelly bean. And I'm like, dude, we don't even know what that flavor is. All we know is it's nasty and no one likes it. Like, come on. It's like the bottom of a shoe. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, do you realize, Tessa, obviously you don't, that I can literally fill our house from floor the ceiling with jelly beans. I possess this power. I can afford enough jelly beans to fill our house from floor to ceiling. Not only that, I could go to every store in all of Western New York that has jelly beans, and I could buy all of them. I could literally bury our house in a mountain of jelly beans that's so deep and so tall that you couldn't even see our house anymore. Like, I possess this power. A lifetime supply of jelly beans for Tessa is literally no big deal for me. But she gave me the one jelly bean that would have been left in the bottom of the bag after she took every single thing that she wanted to satisfy herself. I realize that's what we do so many times with God when it comes to our money. God is so big, so powerful. He hold, a lifetime supply of money for you is literally chump change for God. It is no big deal. And he will withhold no good thing from you. But we take every jelly bean out of the bag. We pay all of our bills. We do every single thing that we want to do. We make sure all of our bases are covered. And then we give God the one lousy jelly bean that we don't even know what the flavor is and no one likes it. That's what we do with God. So many times that's how we handle our money with God. When we choose to put God first, when we give him the first fruits, the first portion of our income, what we're doing is we're taking a step of faith and we're saying, God, I'm going to take 10% of my income and I'm going to put it in your hand and I'm going to hold 90% in my hand. And by faith, I believe that the 90% that's left over is going to go further this month than if I held the 100% in my hand. And God will honor that faith every single time. The second area that God wants us to honor him, to put him first, is in our time. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When Oftentimes what I see us doing is leaning on our own understanding. We're not trusting in the Lord. And when we lean on our own understanding, what we're saying is we think we can manage our time better than God. We think we can handle it better than God. Even though most of the people, when I ask people how they're doing, they say they're busy. They feel maxed out. They feel like there's like no room left on the plate of their life. Somehow, we think we can manage our time better than God can. When we put God first in our time, it is an act of faith that literally makes our time go further. I said that if we look at our bank account, it's easy to see if we're putting God first. If you look at our time, it's another place that's very easy for us to see if we're putting God first. Jeff Bezos is the uh, owner of Amazon. 
This dude is like scary, filthy rich. He said he can't even keep up with trying to spend money. He's making more money than he can even spend. And he's tried for a couple weeks to spend more money than he made. He couldn't even do it. He just bought the most expensive home in the entire world in all of history. And just for uh, a little bit of understanding of how little amount of money that is to him, they said that's equivalent to someone who makes $100,000 a year buying a 97-cent pack of gum. That's how rich this dude is, like scary, filthy rich. But when it comes to time, Jonathan Lonneville is as rich as Jeff Bezos. You are as rich as Jeff Bezos. It's the great equalizer. We all only have 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 days in a year. We all have the same amount of time. But if we look at our time, can we see that we're using it for God? Now, what I'm saying that I'm, I'm sure probably most of you are feeling like, I've got a lot of stuff in my life. Like, I've got a lot of stuff going on. Like, I feel like I'm maxed out in my life. Pretty much, honestly, everybody feels that way. I'm not so much talking about the immovable things in our life. Like, everybody has to work to provide for themselves and their family. And God clearly says in the Word of God that if we don't provide for our family, we're literally worse than an unbeliever. So I believe God wants us to work. If you're younger, you probably went back to school this week, and that takes up a lot of time. I'm not really talking about those immovable things in our life. We all have those things. But what do you do with your free time? If we mapped out your free time on a graph, how much of that free time would be used for God? There's um, an illustration I'd like to show you um, that kind of illustrates a little bit of this. Um, we're going to put a bunch of stuff in your life. So this clear, this clear uh, jar thing here represents your life. Right now your life is empty and miserable. But don't worry, we're about to fill it. Well, first we're going to fill it with a bunch of beads. And these beads represent all the small things in life. The things that aren't really very significant. They aren't very meaningful. It might be things like playing games or shopping, things like Tessa's jelly beans maybe, things like time spent on social media, time spent consuming entertainment, watching the news, things like that. Not very meaningful things in life, a lot of unimportant things. And then I'm going to fill your life with all these ping pong, ping pong balls. Not ping pong balls, ping pong balls. These represent things that aren't completely unimportant. They're more important than those little things that we put in our life. These are things like the food we eat, or maybe our jobs. Things like homework, or mowing the lawn. Things that we all have to do, but aren't very important things. Things like shoveling the snow, or taking care of your car. And then I'm going to take these wiffle balls and put them in your life. And these wiffle balls, they, they represent the very, very important parts of life. These might be things like your home or your family or coffee. That's really important, right? Things like health or friends, money or productivity, those types of things, the very important things in, in our life. And then this red ball, this represents God. And then we go to put God in our life and there's not really a whole lot of room for God in our life. It's like, we try and get him in there, and maybe, like, if you look closely, like, maybe he's in there a little bit, but the truth is, there's not a whole lot of God in our life. It just kind of rolls around the top of our life. But God's actually not okay with that. He's not okay with being just a part of your life. 
The Bible says that God wants to be first. It says that he wants us to put no other gods before him. So if God wants to be first, we probably ought to put him first in our life. And I'd like you to remember that I said that when we put God first in our time, it makes our time go further. So we'll start by putting God in our life. And then we'll add these things that re- these wiffle balls that represent the important parts of life. The things like your family or your kids, your job, who you're meant to be in your life. And then I'm going to add these ping pong balls that represent um, a little bit, things that aren't quite as significant as those big things. Um, they're not crucially important things, but they're things that we all have to do, like doing the dishes and making dinner and mowing the lawn and we're going to have to shovel snow pretty soon, I'm sorry to tell you. Um, all these kinds of just parts of life that are just the stuff that we all have to do. They're not very uh, significant. They're just everything that we have to do in order to make life happen, in order to make our family happen, all those kind of things. And now I'm going to add the beads, which represent all the insignificant things that we put into our life. This might be things like time spent on social media, time spent binge-watching whatever show you wanted to watch, things like that. And then we find out that when we put God first in our life, we actually had room for God this time, and then everything else that we did too. And then when we look at this, when we put God first in our life, we might actually have room for some more things in our life. We might have room for things like life groups. Like before you put God first in your life, it's like, there's no way I have time for life groups. Like I can't make that happen. There's just no time. I'm sorry, God. But now maybe there's time for things like life groups. Maybe there's times for things like taking rest in your life, like actually taking a sabbatical or um, taking a Sabbath and putting God first in your life like he tells us to. Maybe there's actually time for things like time with your kids, like you always wish you have, but it just doesn't seem to happen. Maybe there's actually time for God to change your heart in an area. Maybe you start going to life groups and then the life group leader says, you know, you're learning to play an instrument, right? And you're like, yeah, like I finally have time. I always wanted to learn how to play guitar and I'm doing it now. And he says, would you be willing to come and lead our life group in a song of worship before we get started? And it's like, whoa, like now you're not only someone who's just consuming, but you're someone who's encouraging the people around you. You're someone who's giving glory to God. You're someone who's advancing the kingdom of God because there's more room in your life because you put God first. Whenever we put God first in our time, our time will literally go further. The last place that I believe God wants us to put him first is in our heart. When we put God first in our heart, it is an act of faith. It's an act of faith expressed as trust that unlocks our passion. We had Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were in perfect relationship with God. He was first in their hearts, and then sin crept in. What is the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they sinned? They went and hid. They went and covered themselves because they felt shame. Do you know what's the great destroyer of passion in your life? The greatest destroyer of passion in your life is shame. Where's the passion level in your life? 
Or has something else crept into the first place in your heart and you feel shame over that and the passion is getting sucked out of your life? I can see your passion for or against President Trump. I can see your passion for or against the Bills. I can see your passion for Tiger King or whatever other show you got sucked into during the pandemic. But where is your passion for God? A lack of passion for God is an indicator that we have taken him out of the first place in our heart. I want you to think back for a second. Can you remember the last time you fell in love? For some of you, maybe it was a long time ago. The last time you fell in love, like you were so irrational, like logic completely left your mind, like you didn't even care about that anymore. You would do absolutely anything to express love to this person that you fell for. You would stay up way later than you should have just for a couple brief moments to talk to that person. You would spend money you didn't even have in order to make that person feel special because you love that person. You would go to such great lengths to express your love to this person you fell in love for. There's a few, there's actually hundreds of examples of this in the Bible, and I just picked a few that I wanted to share with you this morning. The first is in 2 Samuel 6. It says that, that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. When's the last time you danced before the Lord in worship? When's the last time you danced before the Lord in worship? When's the last time you danced before the Lord with all of your might? When's the last time you were waiting for the pastor to get up and preach so you could sit down and catch your breath from worship? When's the last time you did that? It's probably been a while for most of us. There's another time in God's Word where it says David danced so intensely before the Lord that the dude danced out of his clothes. Now, I'm going to have to ask you to keep your clothes on in church, mostly because of COVID, you know, but, but if you danced so intensely before the Lord that your mask came off, you know, we might be able to let that one go. We'll call it an act of protest or something. But when is the last time that you danced before the Lord? When is the last time that he was so in a place of first in your heart that you counted it a privilege to dance before him and express your heart of worship? In the book of Acts, we see Paul and Silas, they had been preaching the gospel and they were being persecuted for sharing the name of Jesus and they're locked up, they're put in prison and they're literally chained to the floor. And they didn't sit in there and complain about how unfair it was and how unjust it was and they didn't complain about the government or the police. What they did was they sat in the prison and they wrote letters to encourage other believers they wrote letters to encourage other pastors. They were encouraging the body of Christ from prison because God was first in their heart. And then they sat there and they sang songs of worship to God, every song they could remember until they ran out of songs they could remember, and then they made up songs in their heart to worship God. They didn't sit in church and complain that the worship leader sang good, good father again, and they're like, I know, he's a good, good father. I don't want to sing this again. No, they sang every song they could imagine, and when they ran out of songs, they made up new songs because God was first in their heart. In Luke chapter 7, we see this woman who comes and brings this alabaster box to Jesus. This woman had been through a lot of hard stuff in her life. 
she had been through some really difficult times. If we were to see her today and look at her, we'd be like, this woman has been through the ringer. Like, her life is not good at all. But she was trying to put God first in her heart. She'd been taking steps. She'd been trying to make him the first thing, the most important thing in her life. And then she sees Jesus, and as another step in that progression to put him first in her heart, she kneels down at his feet as an act of worship. As you could imagine, someone who's been through as much stuff as this woman has been through, her heart has begun to get hard. Her heart has begun to get calloused. And as she kneels down at his feet, in the presence of perfect love in Jesus, her heart begins to soften. And the expression of her softening heart is tears falling out of her eyes. And she cries and she weeps on Jesus' feet. And in those days, when people would walk, had to get somewhere, they would walk from village to village. They'd walk on dirty, dusty, nasty roads. And they weren't the only people that walked on those roads. Animals and livestock also walked on those roads and went to the bathroom on those roads. So you could imagine when someone got from, went from one village to the next village, their feet would be pretty nasty and disgusting. And there'd usually be a basin of water and a towel outside of someone's house so they could sit down and wash their feet and wash off the, the nastiness before they go inside this person's house. But this woman knelt down at Jesus' feet and she counted it a privilege to not need a basin of water but to cry on his feet. And she didn't go look for a towel to use to clean his feet. She actually let down her hair and she cleaned his feet with her hair and with her tears because Jesus was first. And then even that wasn't enough for her as an expression of putting Jesus first she brought her most prized possession, her, the most valuable thing that she owns, and offered it to Jesus. And she broke open this bottle of perfume and poured it out on his feet as an act of worship because he was first in her life. When God is first in your life, you don't really count the cost so much. When God is first in your life, you don't really worry about how you look in worship. Well, it's not really my personality. Well, apparently putting God first in your life isn't your personality either. When we put God first in our life, all those other things that we seem to care about that seem so important became, become so much less important because we see how beautiful he is. When we put God first in our heart, it takes faith expressed as trust and it unlocks our passion. Do you feel like your life has been lacking passion? Like you feel... Honestly, if, you, if you're honest about it, you feel pretty numb. It's just like you're going through the motions, going through the day-to-day -day stuff, doing everything you need to do, checking off all the boxes. But if you're honest, you feel pretty numb inside. Putting God first in your life unlocks the passion you were made to live with. Would you bow your heads this morning? What area of your life have you been holding back? What area of your life have you not really put God first? What area of your life did God put his finger on this morning? I want you to take a minute and think of a few ways that this week you could put God first. Don't just make it general ways like, God, I want to put you first in my life, but make it specific, make it intentional. What are some specific things that you can do this week to say, God, I'm putting you first in my life in this specific way. 
Maybe it's in the area of your finances. Maybe you haven't had the faith to give a tithe or an offering like God calls us to. You feel like your finances are already tight. You feel like there's already not enough money to go by at the end of the, end of the month and you're like, what in the world is taking 10% and giving it to God going to do? Like, then I'm just going to have less money to try and pay all these bills. But as I talked about putting God first in your finances, you felt faith start to well up inside of you. The thought of you not having to carry the burden of providing for yourself excited your heart. And you thought, you know what? I want to take a step of faith. And today, not sometime in the future, today, I don't want to let time go by. I want to put God first in my, t- in my finances. And today you're going to give a tithe to say, God, I'm putting you first. And this is an act of faith. And I believe that as I step out in my finances, I'm going to see your blessing in my life. Maybe it's in your time. Everything has been weird with COVID, but you realize that if your time was plotted out on a graph, you realize that your time has become super self-focused. It wasn't really intentional or specific, like you weren't trying to do it, but because God wasn't first in your time, your time has really become self-focused. And you feel like your plate is completely full and you're maxed out. And you realize today it's because God isn't first. And this week, you want to take specific steps to say, God, I'm going to do this to put you first in my time this week. And I believe that as I do that, you're going to meet me in that place. And you're actually going to make my time go further than I could have on my own. Or maybe it's your heart. You realize your heart has been hard. You've been far from God. Maybe something happened and you were hurt. You've felt your heart hardening. It didn't used to be that way. You can remember times where you felt strong love for the Lord. You felt free in your heart. But right now, you just feel worn out and you're tired. It's like life has been beating you up. Jesus is asking for your heart this morning. It doesn't somehow mean that everything is going to go perfect moving forward. It doesn't even mean that life is going to get easier. But what it does mean is God will be with you in your life every step of the way. Putting God first is an act of faith, and it always unlocks blessing. Lord, I ask you to be with each person who's here this morning. Lord, as each one of us takes specific and intentional steps this week to put you first, Lord, we saw this morning areas of our life where you were taking a back seat. You weren't first. You weren't our priority. As we take steps this week to put you first. Lord, I ask that we would find your blessing. Lord, I don't just mean your blessing in some overall way, but Lord, I mean in very specific, clear ways that people would see your blessing. Those people that step out and give financially in ways that they haven't before, that they would see this week you be faithful in finances in ways that there's no other way to explain it, but it's God. As people step out and put you first in their time, They would find themselves having more free time than they ever had before. It doesn't make sense. They're still doing all the same stuff. But when they put you first, all of a sudden there's all this room in their life for you to move on their heart and give them things to do to advance the kingdom. And Lord, as we take steps to put you first in our heart, Lord, I ask that their passion would come alive in a way that would actually be shocking. That they wouldn't even believe the passion that they feel in their heart. They would feel stuff that they haven't felt in ages. And they wouldn't be able to 
look at any other thing and say, what in the world could this possibly be other than I put God first in my heart and I feel like I'm coming alive again? Lord, I ask you to bless each one as they go from this place and that they would find your blessing as they put you first in their life. In your name I pray, amen. I just want a couple quick reminders. Um, out on the uh, bulletin board in the, in the foyer, you can sign up for life groups. Uh, life groups are starting next, groups, next week, so don't wait. Go sign up now. You can also sign up online. And parents, you can use the large stairway over here um, to go downstairs, and there's a small stairway over towards the nursery that you can use to come up so that we're all kind of moving the same direction. And then the deacons will come around and release you. And uh, we love you guys, and thank you so much for coming today. Don't forget to put God first in your life. Amen? All right, have a blessed week.